What it's telling me overall is that never before has there been a better time to be an ETF investor. Following back-to-back increases, the Bank of Canada's key interest rate now sits at 5%, the highest level in 22 years. On today's episode, Portfolio Managers Alfred Lee, Chris McKinney, and your host Mackenzie Box explore the impacts on markets and examine where monetary policy may be headed. They also discuss the latest U.S. CPI print, the Nasdaq's rebalancing, and ETF flows and trends. Before we hear from the team, please consider subscribing to Views from the Desk on your preferred podcast platform. And for many more ETF insights and resources, visit BMOETFs.com. Hello, and welcome back to our BMO ETFs Weekly Insights Podcast with our team of experts. Thank you to everyone for continuing to tune in to provide your comments and questions each and every week. I'm today's host, Mackenzie Box, and product at BMO Global Asset Management. Today, I am joined by Alfred Lee and Chris McKinney, who are both portfolio managers on our ETF desk. So thank you both to Alfred and Chris for joining me today. Thanks, Mackenzie. Glad to be here. All right, let's dive in. So this morning, we saw the Bank of Canada announcement come in. Alfred, maybe you can give us some insights on what came out of that meeting and what this means for fixed income markets going forward. Sure. Yeah. So as you mentioned, the Bank of Canada raised rates by another quarter point uh, today. So that brings the overnight rate to 5%. Really shouldn't come as a big surprise, given that the market was pricing in roughly about a 65% chance that um, we were going to see a rate hike uh, this morning. That does mark the second consecutive meeting in which we did get a rate hike. I don't think this necessarily means that we are moving back to a policy where we are going to see um, aggressive rate hikes. I mean, important to note that you know the Bank of Canada did take a pretty long pause after the January meeting. But I think what it means is that uh, the Bank of Canada is going to move to a policy similar to the Fed, which is going to be you know, a lot more data dependent. So um, I think that is probably relevant for what we are seeing today, just in terms of what we are seeing with inflation. Inflation continues to move lower. But at the same time, I think, you know, with the Bank of Canada, you know, also moving to one that's going to be dependent more on uh, forward guidance, I think, you know, occasionally moving the overnight rate does allow them to keep credibility with a lot of the market as well. At the same time, you know, this morning, the U.S. CPI also came in. Uh, That came in at 3%, just in terms of the headline number, which, again, I think, you know, CPI continues to trend in the right direction. We did get the CPI print from Canada a couple of weeks ago, which came in at 3.4%. We do get the fresh print from Canada next week. So I think the Bank of Canada is going to be very focused on how that number comes in. But again, if it trends in the right direction, again, I think the Bank of Canada is going to uh, remain in this policy where it's going to be more data uh, dependent. I think the good thing with Canada is that you know household debt is still at record levels. So from the Bank of Canada's point of view, every incremental quarter point move is going to have you know in ways you know more leverage in terms of controlling uh, inflation. Just given that you know if you have household debt at record levels, discretionary income is going to be a little bit tighter. Um, so by raising rates, you know the impact on Cutting down on those discretionary items, for example, such as you know going out to restaurants or going out and traveling, um, I think those potentially get reduced. So, looking at the U.S. numbers this morning, if you look at some of the items that were reported, some of the numbers that were reported was a decrease in hotel spending. 
but also a decrease in uh, airline travel as well. So hopefully we see that service component in Canada start to trickle down if you back out the uh, mortgage payments and the shelter costs as well. Uh, in terms of fixed income, I think, um, you know, if you look at fixed income as an asset class, I think it's certainly been the most attractive we've seen it in 10 to 15 years. So even though it was painful in 2022, um, I think that raise in interest rates or that hiking of interest rates that we saw in the last year, I think that definitely was the reset that the asset class needed. So, you know, right now, when you look at the fixed income market, so using the BMO aggregate bond ETF, ZAG, as, you know, just a proxy to the uh, overall fixed income universe, uh, yield to maturity on that ETF is 4.6% right now. If you're focusing on corporate bonds, for example, in the U.S., uh, ZMU, which is our midterm U.S. investment grade ETF, hedged back to the Canadian dollar. That has a yield to maturity of 5.5% right now. So again, you know, when you look at the yield to maturity, definitely the most attractive that fixed income has been in a very long time. So looking at the market, if you look beyond 2024 or you know, May 2024, interest rate futures right now, surprisingly, are still pricing in rate cuts, pretty aggressive rate cuts uh, by the Bank of Canada. Um, I think just in terms of interest rates, I think, you know, uh, unless we get a recession, we're probably going to see interest rates at a higher level for a longer period of time. So what that means is, you know, for investors, I think focusing on things like higher quality. So investment grade bonds, I think, is um, a good way to play the market. So lower rates, as we saw in the last 10 years, zero interest rate policies, obviously in the last 10 years, that's pushed investors towards high yield bonds. Uh, emerging market bonds, but I think now with interest rates at more normalized levels, you know, it's a good opportunity to scale back risk, especially with investment grade paying these yields, um, and especially with you know real rates becoming positive again. So again, just to summarize, I think just some good fixed income positioning ideas for a portfolio. Uh, ZAG, which is the aggregate bond ETF, is a good core ETF, good low cost way of getting exposure to the broad fixed income market. But ZMU is going to allow investors to focus on corporate bonds with stronger balance sheets. And last but not least, if you need a money market ETF, ZMMK is a good ETF and a good GIC replacement, uh, given that you're not locked in similar to a GIC. So ZMMK, the yield on that one is 4.9%. Great. Thanks, Alfred. Those are uh, some impressive yields right now that we've seen. Not all cash equivalents are created equal, and BMO's Money Market and Ultra Short-Term Bond ETFs offer several high-quality options to park client cash. To learn more, visit BMOETFs.com and search for tickers ZMMK, ZST, and ZUS. Keeping on that same topic, uh, Chris, can you speak to what the announcement means for equity markets and how investors can maybe tailor their portfolio for the market? Sure. And I think Alfred did a good job of summarizing what we did hear from the Bank of Canada. Um, you know, as mentioned, the hike that we saw today was widely expected from the market, another 25 basis points uh, being added to the overnight rate. What was a little bit surprising was the tone of the statement that was released with it as well that that led to them opening up uh, the possibility of future rate hikes, uh, as Alfred said, moving to this data dependent sort of process here and again, leaving open the possibility that further rate hikes could still be coming um, if uh, the data supported it. Part of that statement 
that they used to justify the hike today, and again, this this posture of potential further hikes, is that excess demand, as they see it, is proving to be more persistent than than previously thought. So from an equity investor point of view, what I'm really reading from that is that the consumer is still in pretty good shape. And if we take a look at the reaction from the markets, first of all, in the fixed income market, only the very short end of the curve really increased in terms of rates uh, with the announcement today. Most of the longer term rates beyond one year actually came down a little bit. And so, again, that's somewhat of positive news uh, and how that fed into the equity markets is that cyclical areas of the market actually rallied uh, today. And that includes sectors like materials, industrials and financials like the banks as well. The other part of the market that has rallied is those interest rate sensitive type sectors such as utilities and real estate. So those are some of the uh, sectors that see this announcement as actually good news. Again, um, you know, if excess demand is still persistent, that means the consumer is still in pretty strong shape. And so again, these cyclical sectors uh, tend to benefit from a strong consumer. The other thing cyclical sectors have going for them right now is that they actually have pretty cheap valuations. And so just from a relative perspective, um, you know, if you're going to put your money to work in the equity market, Valuations don't give you a good idea of turning points necessarily, but for a long-term investor, it does give you a good idea of what your longer-term return potential is going to be. And so looking at some of these cyclical areas that have these cheap valuations, I think are causing investors to maybe, uh, you know, relook at this area, at least from a tactical perspective. um, If we think, um, you know, there's not going to be significant economic slowdown in the next six months or so, um, that would be probably the major concern if you are looking at cyclicals is uh, a slow down in the economy and in consumer spending. But areas such as, again, the industrials uh, complex, the BMO ETF there is the BMO Equal Weight Industrials Index ETF, ticker ZIN. But the other two more uh, maybe interesting areas are the energy space. Uh, Again, a bit more cyclical in nature there as well. Uh, The BMO Equal Weight Oil and Gas Index ETF, ticker ZEO, currently has a dividend yield north of 6% uh, in terms of the dividends that are being earned uh, by the equities held in that fund. And the BMO Equal Weight Banks Index ETF, ticker ZEB, has a uh, dividend yield north of 5%. So for, again, on a valuation standpoint, for those investors looking for cheaper areas of the market, certainly a 6 and a 5% dividend yield would be a good place to put your money to work, hopefully get some benefit of that strong consumer throughout the second half of the year and still collect a decent dividend on top of that. Again, the concern there would be if you think there's going to be a potential slowdown, maybe you want to stay away from the the more cyclical areas of the market. And if that is your thesis, maybe you want to look at those more uh, rate sensitive sectors that, again, are also doing well today, um, like utilities, for example, the BMO Equal Weight Utilities uh, Index ETF, ticker ZUT and the BMO Equal Weight REITs Index ETF, ticker ZRE, um, the utilities ETF, uh, dividend yield 4.7% and REITs 5.7%. So again, some decent dividend yields there. Of course, as Canadian dividends, those are tax effective as well um, and are a bit more defensive in nature for those looking for that consumer slowdown to eventually happen. Great, thanks, Chris. Now we'll switch gears uh, a little bit. Earlier this week, NASDAQ announced that the widely known NASDAQ 100 index is preparing for a special index rebalance that really aims to address the overconcentration of some of the larger constituents. 
Alfred, can you maybe dive into this and walk us through some of the details and what this means for ETFs that track this index? Yeah, so as you mentioned, um, it's essentially an off-cycle rebalance to reweight uh, some of the top holding in the index to remove um, some of the concentration. So this may come as a surprise to some, uh, given that the NASDAQ is rebalanced on a quarterly basis, and it did get rebalanced in June. But this one is, again, to reduce the concentration, obviously, with the you know big five, big six names in the index. Uh, those have rallied quite a bit uh, year to date, uh, which is why you know, those names are becoming a little bit more concentrated in, in terms of being, you know, making the index a little bit more top heavy. So when you look at the NASDAQ 100, um, it does have an extraordinary rebalancing rule, uh, which can be, which can take place under two conditions. So one, if the largest constituents exceed the weight of 24%, or if the aggregate of all stocks, which have an individual weight of more than 4%, exceed 48% in aggregate. So right now, uh, Microsoft is the top holding at 12.6%. So obviously, you know, the first condition was not met. But when you add up, you know, Microsoft, Apple, Google, uh, NVIDIA, Amazon, and Tesla all together, those make up more than 50%. So the second condition was met. The last time the NASDAQ underwent this extraordinary rebalance, I believe, was in 2011, uh, when the first rule was satisfied, when Apple was more than 24%. So again, you know, this special rebalancing is essentially to reduce the concentration and reduce the index from being top heavy. So this rebalance is going to take place. Uh, so it's going to be effective on the open of July 24th. So we do have two ETFs that track the NASDAQ. We have ZNQ, which is the NASDAQ unhedged ETF. We also have in the .U, which is the US dollar version and ZQQ, which is the version that is hedged back to the Canadian dollar. So obviously, you know, these two ETFs are going to have to follow suit. Uh, so combined, ZNQ and ZQQ make up about $2 billion in, in AUM. So given the size of these large cap tech stocks that need to be sold, obviously with um, all these big six names, there's going to be ample amounts of liquidity. So there's not going to be any liquidity issues. So some of our listeners may think to themselves, you know, what about the ETFs that are trading in the U.S. that, you know, are much larger? Um, the QQQs, for example, represent $200 billion. But, you know, keep in mind on these rebound states, including the quarterly rebound states, you know, those are considered liquidity events. So when you have a large supply of stock that is going to be, you know, met with high demand, typically there is going to be an offset. So, you know, a name like NVIDIA, for example, which is up, you know, 190% year to date, approximately. Clearly on that stock, there's going to be more demand than supply. So right now, you know, when there is going to be selling, uh, that supply is going to be offset with demand on that rebalance date. So if there is any impact, it's going to be short-lived. Looking at those big five or big six names, they all tend to be AI-related. And that, you know, keep in mind, that's a theme that we don't think is going to go away anytime soon. But again, you know, this rebalance is essentially to reduce the concentration rules, which I think is going to be good for the end investor. I mean, essentially... You know, they're looking to avoid that, you know, quote unquote, Nortel effect from a diversification standpoint. I think if you are buying a broad based ETF like the NASDAQ, um, you probably want to be a little bit more diversified rather than being top heavy. Also, I think another way to think about this is all those gains on those big six or big five or big six names. Um, you're essentially redistributing the gains that you made on those and reinvesting it in, you know, the names that have moved not as much. 
And then between now and your, your next rebalance period or whenever, uh, you're just letting the natural winners kind of run its course. So I think overall, it's going to be a very good thing for investors. Great. Thanks, Alfred. Amid high interest rates and market volatility, consider BMO's top three ETFs yielding over 6%. The BMO Covered Call Utilities ETF, ticker ZWU, provides exposure to an equal weight portfolio of utilities, telecoms, and pipeline companies. The BMO Covered Call Canadian Banks ETF, ticker ZWB, invests solely in Canadian financials presenting an attractive valuation opportunity. And the BMO Canadian High Dividend Covered Call ETF, ticker ZWC, features solid historical dividend growth. To learn more, visit BMOETFs.com and search for tickers ZWU, ZWB, and ZWC. Last but not least, Chris, we've hit the half year mark, so we're well into July. Can you give us an overview of some of the ETF flows uh, and how they've been thus far this year and some of the major trends we are seeing? Sure, Mackenzie. And as you say, at the half year point, usually a good time to look back on the first half of the year and see not just performance wise, but flows wise, where investors are are putting their money to work. Um, Taking a look at the ETF industry as a whole, um, it is quite representative of, of what we've seen here at BMO as well in terms of asset classes and sectors and things like that. So far in 2023, it's been a bit of a renaissance for fixed income ETFs, um, about almost 60% of all new flows um, in the industry have gone into fixed income ETFs and only about a third have gone into equity. Usually those proportions are reversed. You see the majority of AUM or majority of flows going into equity-based ETFs with usually only about a third going into fixed income. And so that's really reversed this year where investors have started to see a lot more opportunity in fixed income, um, certainly with higher yields um, and with equity volatility, you know, more demand to uh, hedge against that with fixed income instruments as well. Within the equity flows that we have seen in terms of geographies, flows have really gone in all geographies except the U.S. and where we where we saw net redemptions in the industry. Um, and that actually mimics, again, what we've seen here at BMO with um, the largest equity inflow um, into the BMO MSCI EFI index ETF, ticker ZEA, that covers um, domestic markets outside of North America. Um, and the number three flow here um, in terms of equity ETFs at BMO was ZJPN, which is the BMO Japan index ETF. And so again, anything outside of um, US in particular typically has done well in terms of flows here uh, in 2023. And the largest outflow we've seen um, is the BMO S&P 500 ETF ticker ZSP, mimicking what we saw industry-wide where investors essentially taking money out of the US and redeploying in other areas. You know, a lot of that's valuation-based. We see high valuations in the U.S., particularly in the tech sector that Alfred was just reviewing. And so I think investors taking some gains there and redeploying it uh, in other areas, in other regions. A little bit more granular on the equity side, what we saw at the sector level, really only one sector getting a lot of love was financials. A little bit of flow into healthcare as well. Um, And certainly, again, at BMO, we saw big inflows into financials with the equal weight banks, uh, ETF ZEB bringing in over $600 million. And that was our, our, our third highest flow uh, of all ETFs here at BMO. 
Looking just uh, on the fixed income side now, uh, again, with, a, I wouldn't say a record year, but significant flows into the fixed income sector. You know, where were those going? A lot of it into the money market or ultra short-term cash and cash-like vehicles uh, that are very popular right now. More than half of all fixed income flows went into those type of solutions, with the rest going into largely governments, aggregates, and in particular, long-term. So we're seeing this barbell approach by investors where they are you know, really taking advantage of those short-term yields with very little duration exposure, getting that 5% plus, call it, uh, without taking on much duration risk. But pairing that with a long duration ETF or exposure to to give some of that balance and ballast against equity market volatility. And again, certainly at BMO, we saw very similar flows with our BMO long federal bond index ETF leading all flows on the fixed income side and our BMO government bond index ETF, ticker ZGB for that one, uh, also seeing significant flows. But then also on the very short end, uh, Alfred mentioned our money market fund, uh, ZMMK, bringing in a lot of flows. And then on the long end, also ZTL and ZTL.F, the BMO long-term U.S. Treasury Index ETF. So uh, very similar flows to what we're seeing in the industry. Um, Again, investors taking advantage of those short-term yields. Uh, without taking on too much duration risk and then balancing that with some long uh, duration exposure. And really what it's what it's telling me overall is that, you know, never before has there been a better time to be an ETF investor in terms of the granularity and precision that the ETF industry offers Canadian investors as we move through this sort of new regime that we're seeing in the marketplace. You know, we're not used to seeing a fixed income uh, yields where they are right now. Um, And certainly coming off a very volatile year in 2022, investors looking to reposition their portfolios for what they see going forward, which could be much different than what we've seen in the past. And ETFs being a very valuable tool to, to do that in a very specific and precise way. Great. Thanks, Chris. Looks like things are off to a good start for the year. Those are all the questions that we have for this week. I just want to thank everyone for listening in and a special thank you to both Alfred and Chris for providing some great insights. And with that, I'll wish everyone a great day and see you next week. Thank you to Mackenzie Box, Alfred Lee and Chris McKinney for joining us on the BMO ETFs podcast. Today, we heard about the BMO Money Market Fund ETF series, ticker ZMMK, which suits investors prioritizing liquidity and capital preservation. Our experts also discussed industry trends. This year, BMO is seeing big inflows into financials. The BMO Equal Weight Banks Index ETF, ticker ZEB, provides exposure to Canada's big six. For more information about the ETFs discussed in this podcast, check out the episode notes, contact your regional BMO ETF specialist, or visit the ETF Center at BMOETFs.com. That's BMOETFS.com. Views from the Desk has been brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Commissions, management fees, and expenses, if any, all may be associated with investments in exchange-traded funds. 
please read the ETF facts or prospectus before investing. Exchange-traded funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. BMO Global Asset Management is a brand name under which BMO Asset Management Inc. and BMO Investments Inc. operate.